Hi, and welcome to a special bonus episode of The Investigation. I'm Kira Phillips, joined by my co-host Chris Vlasto and also senior editorial producer John Santucci. I'm going to take one question because I'm like super late. And our guest, Sarah Sanders, needs no introduction. And with that, I will take your questions. She's been the leading spokesperson for the Trump administration since July of 2017, just about two months after the start of the special counsel's probe. It's been a two and a half year witch hunt. But while the investigation and report may be completed, the controversy surrounding it certainly isn't. Democrats continuing to call on Robert Mueller to testify before Congress against the president's wishes. And today is the deadline for former White House counsel Don McGahn to comply for a subpoena from House Democrats for documents related to Mueller's investigation. So Sarah will likely be getting questions about this for a long time to come. But today, we're happy that she has agreed to talk with us. Sarah, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. So, of course, one of the big questions we all have, is Robert Mueller going to testify? You know, I think that's something that we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. But I think uh, the president feels like, as I think most of America feels like, that this is over. We have had two years, millions of dollars in taxpayer money, hundreds of hours of testimony from White House officials, former campaign staff, etc. 1.4 million pages of documents submitted. And they all came to the same conclusion at the culmination and the end of that, that there was no collusion, which was the whole point of the investigation in the first place. That's been determined. It's been decided. Democrats shouldn't get a do-over. And as far as we see this, it's case closed. and It's time for uh, Democrats and everybody will be able to move on, particularly because there are some real problems that face our country that we'd like to see addressed. And and Democrats are so busy attacking the president and trying to undermine his uh, win in 2016 that they can't focus on some of the big problems facing us, like infrastructure, lowering drug prices, uh, making things better for our veterans. There are a lot of things that Democrats and Republicans actually agree is a problem and should be addressed. But because of this, they've refused to sit down at the table and really make any progress. I don't think anyone's going to argue there are a lot of topics that that Americans want to dig into and hear more about. And you just named them. I don't think there's any argument um, there. But, you know, Bill Barr, uh, in his testimony, admitted that even he wasn't quite sure why Mueller didn't make a decision on obstruction. So with regard to Mueller testifying, um, how possibly could the public not hear from Robert Mueller himself to just clear up those differences. And he could do that by simply testifying. I think it's laughable, the idea that the American people haven't heard from Robert Mueller. They did. 400 pages worth of Robert Mueller uh, and his finding and his conclusion. And again, let's go back to what the purpose of this entire thing was about. And that was whether or not there was collusion. Robert Mueller's uh, goal was to make that determination. He did. Uh, He left the obstruction part. He couldn't make a decision on that. um, And in due process, followed that to the attorney general. And he was able to make a determination. And he made that determination based off of the evidence 
in Mueller's report. So it's not like he just came up with this on his own. He made it based off of the information that Mueller put in front of him and that Mueller provided again after two years of looking into it. If you can't find it after two years, then it's not there. Well, we'll get to obstruction in a second, but ju- just to narrow cast back to what Kira was asking about. Robert Mueller testifying. The president tweeted over the weekend that he should not. The president obviously is the commander in chief. He runs his cabinet. He could order his attorney general who controls whether or not Robert Mueller would testify to not allow him to testify. So should we take the president's tweet from this past weekend as an order to Bill Barr to not allow Robert Mueller to testify? I think that's a determination to be made at this point. I think that's but the president's, it, I mean, but that's the president's feeling on the matter. And the reason is because we consider this as a case closed, as a finished uh, process. And I, again, I think that so, most what, what, Americans think that this is finished. Right, They're sick so, and so, tired of so, hearing but, about it. Right. But now what has been the dialogue, though, between the president and his attorney general about this? Has he said to Bill Barr, hey, don't let Bob Mueller testify. I, I'm not aware of any conversation between the two of them on that matter. Do you expect matter. something like that to happen? Uh, again, I, I'm not aware that a date has even been set for that conversation to need to take place. So we'll see what happens. But again, uh, this matter in our eyes is over and done with, and it's time to get back to but America's business. But if you, if you business. had your crystal ball right now, you would believe that Robert Mueller is not going to testify. If I had a crystal ball, I probably wouldn't be sitting in this studio. I'd be betting <laughs> on every big race, including the Derby race that just took place You'd be a real some of the other uh, uh, some of the other big uh, sporting events going on I probably would uh, look at some other options in terms of what I would look at so in the Sarah crystal. yes or no I- is Trump trying to silence Mueller <laughs> again I think it is absolutely absurd the idea that the president is silencing Mueller he cooperated for two years his staff cooperated spent hours upon hours of time with Mueller they turned over millions of pages in documents. I think that all of this process gets lost. The bottom line here is Democrats wanted something to be true that wasn't. They spent two years telling the American people a lie, and now they're trying to justify it. And at some point, they have to realize they lost in 2016. They lost in the absurd collusion battle. And now it's time to move on and look at a way maybe they could get a win. I think they could if they would work with the president um, and stop being the losers that they look like right now. But Sarah, you know, Mitch McConnell, I think, is coming out this morning and he's going to basically recite basically what you said. And he's going to say it's case closed. But I think he's also going to say that, you know, our society is it's unhinged partisanship. But in some ways, isn't it partisan on both sides? Isn't it, you know, you were collateral damage in the Mueller report. There is there are sections in the Mueller report that says you weren't forthcoming from the podium and some people have said you lied from the podium that's the interpretation that reporters have made but even still in the heat of battle in the heat of battle press secretaries for the last 50 years of course in the heat of battle things are said from the podium that may not be true or right you're not the first one who did or not why not just say hey i made a mistake i was in the heat of battle let's just kind of stop all this nonsense that's actually what i did say 
Um, and if you pay attention to the words that I used, you would notice that that's what I said, but the interpretation of others has been taken differently. Um, I said I shouldn't have used one word. Look, I've addressed this extensively. Um, I feel very comfortable about my credibility um, from uh, the misspeak of one word versus uh, the narrative that the media and Democrats have pushed for two years. Let's not forget the severity of the accusation that they made against the president of the United States. They literally said that he was guilty of treason and betrayal of his country. This isn't just a minor like, oh, we think he did something bad. This is an insane idea to accuse the president of the United States of colluding with another country and not just any country with Russia. And the fact that the media played right into the hands of the Democrats and helped perpetuate and give a platform to this and breathlessly covered every single minute and every single moment of this investigation is an embarrassment to the country. I feel extremely extremely good about the job that I've done and the job that the president has done over the last two and a half years of helping build a booming economy, creating an environment where companies are coming back into this country, where they're investing, where our veterans are being taken care of, where our enemies actually fear us and our allies respect us. We're in a whole new playing field under this president than we were under the previous administration. Let's also not forget that the failures of this uh, election interference took place place under Obama, not under President Trump. We've actually done things to prevent this from happening again, taken a whole of government approach, worked with all 50 states to try to ensure the integrity of our elections when this was ignored in the previous administration. I I think it is just outrageous to continue to attack not just this president, but the entire administration over this absurd narrative. But I talk about the Clinton administration a lot on this podcast. And during the Clinton administration, Mike McCurry and, um, you know, Joe Lockhart separated themselves from the investigative part. And they had a whole different uh, team dealing with that issue. Do you regret not doing it that way? I don't regret standing up for what is right and pushing back against something that I felt to be an outrageous lie about the president. No. Can I ask you a question? Why did the briefings go away? This is so unconventional because you're the press secretary. And as long as I've known it, we've we depend on those brief those briefings every single day. First question, are they ever going to come back? Yeah, I think absolutely. We'll continue to uh, do briefings. We'll also continue to do uh, what we do every single day, take questions from the media in a variety of formats. The briefing was created at a time when there weren't so many other mediums in which to communicate uh, the information and the positions of the White House that we have today. That's, I think, one of the most uh, incredible things about the way that government has modernized and moved forward and one of the unconventional uh, greatnesses of this president is the American people get to hear directly from the president, which I think is far better than hearing from me. I think everybody would agree that hearing from President Trump is better than hearing from the press secretary. He engages with the media more than probably any president in modern history, uh, both through Twitter, uh, through more interviews than than his predecessors have done, as well as informal Q&A sessions that he does nearly every single day, uh, whether in the Rose Garden, the Oval Office, to and from Marine One, 
but also the staff does that at um, a number of different formats, whether it's a gaggle on the driveway, which I did two of just on Friday, um, and do several times a week, as well as other senior administration officials on specific policy matters. I think the biggest thing is that a lot of folks in the media, they're frankly more upset that they're not on TV, not that I'm not. But let me ask and this, this, is, this is a platform that they've used to create uh, the sense of stardom for themselves, and that's not ex- in existence on the day-to-day basis that it was in the beginning of the administration. Um, but at the same time, the level of access and transparency between the White House and the media um, couldn't exist at a higher level than it does. But Sarah, you're coming on two years, I think, in July as press secretary, and I think very few press secretaries, I think that would maybe be one of the longest tenures of a press secretary. Do you ever want to say, and I'm done, enough, <laughs> I got I to gotta let this all go? Uh, yeah, there are days I think everybody that has a job probably has moments where they think, oh, I don't know if I can take this anymore. Um, I think for me, the biggest part is I have three young kids, uh, one that'll be seven this week, a five-year-old and an almost four-year-old. And so for me, the hardest part is when I'm in this job, it takes so much uh, time away and a sacrifice from being with my family. And having to find that balance can be uh, very difficult at times. But because I believe in our country, I believe in what we're doing. And frankly, I love America. I want to be part of this process. Yeah, but I hear that. But also, but the investigations are not going to go away. Even if Mueller, let's, let's concede your point that the Mueller investigation is over. The House Oversight Committee is going to investigate. The Judiciary Committee is going to investigate other things not related to Mueller. Are you prepared to stay on for two more years and fight these battles every day? Uh, Look, I wake up every day thankful that I have a job and I take things day by day. And I'm grateful for the opportunity that the president has given me to work in his administration. And um, that's certainly something that he has to consider as well. If at some point he no longer deems me to be effective or if at some point uh, I determine that it's not the best thing for my family, I have to make that decision. But at this point in my life, I'm I'm honored to serve in the administration. Again, I'm very proud of the work we do and um, I'll continue to do that and and take things one day at a time. Let me pick up on that. You said the, if the president deems you effective. This is another thing that I've learned about you and noticed. You're in the Oval Office a lot. When you're not in your office, when we're looking for you, you're in the Oval. So here's what I want to know. Are you more involved with policy now versus communications? Has your role changed because of how you described this president is? It's true. He comes out and he talks to reporters and he tweets and he makes himself accessible uh, quite a bit. I was there for that first impromptu press conference when everybody was, you know, hounding. It was like a scrum, crazy scrum. Is, has your role changed? Are you more involved with policy than you are communications? Uh, I I don't know that I think those two things are separated. I think in order to be an effective communicator, you have to understand the policy. And the easiest way to understand the policy is to be in the room as it's being made and being discussed and being talked about and understanding the pros and the cons of it. So I see those two things uh, to be very much in tandem with one another. And again, I'm grateful for uh, both the president and a chief of staff that understand that being in the room and being able to effectively communicate what our policy is is an important part of our job, and they include us uh, on the regular basis in those conversations. And I think it makes a real difference of us being able to tell the administration's story. Do you uh, ever I, feel? I, I'm yeah. sorry, one follow-up. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel pressured, Sarah, to say anything you don't want to say? 
I, I don't ever feel pressured to say anything that I don't believe in or that I think is not the right thing. Um, sometimes you may disagree uh, on how we got there, but at the end of the day, nobody elected me to anything. They elected Donald Trump. They elected him and his platform and his policies. And my job is to go out there and talk about what his administration is doing. And if I didn't believe in that, and if I didn't feel like it was the right thing and that we were making progress and making life better for every American, then I wouldn't be involved and I wouldn't do the job that I do. Congress. Um, there's the back and forth every day. They are asking for documents. They're asking for witnesses to come. What is the White House's plan with Congress? It feels like every time we see a request come down, the response is, eh, no thanks. Look, if the Congress wants to make a reasonable and, frankly, lawful request, we'd certainly be willing to discuss those. But so far, we haven't seen that be the case, particularly with uh, Chairman Nadler. Um, he's making requests for documents that he knows not only does he not have a right to, but legally he can't have. This is uh, nothing more than a big dog and pony show. And it, it's believe, frankly, though, it's beneath Congress, Congress and you, I think you, they should do better. You, you don't believe, though, that Congress has the right of oversight? I mean, that's what the branches are designed for, to check uh, each other. Certainly Congress, again, has the right of oversight, but they don't have the right for information uh, that's, frankly, grand jury information. It would be illegal for them to take that, and it would be illegal for the Department of Justice to give them that. So when they ask for things like that, no. Um, I think they know that that is not something that they should have. And again, I think that it just goes to further the circus that Jerry Nadler is trying to be the ringmaster there, of. There's a deadline today for former White House counsel Don McGahn to turn over documents and information, something bouncing out of Robert Mueller's 400-page report. Um, we're waiting to see if that's actually going to happen. Uh, the White House is very heavily involved in that, based on our understanding. Do you believe that Don McGahn is going to comply with that request from Congress to turn over the documents they've asked for? Uh, I believe that uh, Don McGahn has complied with uh, Robert Mueller That's in the investigation. That's not what I asked. I asked I, about I, Congress. I'm getting there. And um, that that information has been processed, gone through, and the determination has been made that there was no collusion. Look, let's not let's not kid ourselves. Um, Robert Mueller spent two years, millions of dollars, millions of pages and documents, hours of testimony, and couldn't find collusion. Do we honestly think that Jerry Nadler, who wasn't even capable of asking the attorney general questions, is going to find something okay, Robert Mueller the, but, didn't? But Congress, I mean, the idea of that is truly, like, just sad. Congress, we all though, know that he's yeah. not going to find anything. He couldn't even do his own job in asking questions. He's certainly not going to be able to do something that Robert Mueller was incapable okay, of doing, we, and that's finding collusion. I'm, I'm going to cede to you that Robert Mueller is done. Congress is there. Congress is asking for information. They're asking for the other half of that big report, which was obstruction of justice. They are asking for Don McGahn to turn over documents. Is the White House going to allow him to comply, yes or no? Uh, I don't anticipate that that takes place, no. Why? Uh, again, we consider this to be a uh, case closed, and we're moving forward to do the work of the American people. Is, is there any investigation? There's also on, the idea, yeah. let's not forget, too, you have executive privilege, which still matters in this country. The institution— but the, pres the president hasn't declared executive privilege. Uh, uh, no, but it's still important, and it's something that we have to consider in this process. The institution of the presidency is at stake. This isn't just about Donald Trump. This is about protecting every president after this. If you don't have— have those protections where staff and the president are able to communicate and work together without the idea of 
the Jerry Nadlers of the world inserting themselves into that, then it makes an institution like the presidency unable to fully function. And I think that's a problem for the future. And I think it's something Democrats are forgetting and they just don't care because they hate this president so much that they're willing to destroy the entire like idea of the institution of the president but if that's for the themselves. Feel, but if that's the feeling, then why not declare executive privilege? Again, we'll see what happens over the next uh, several days and in this process as we move forward. Um, but I think I've made pretty clear Sarah, what the White House position is. Sarah, you know what, Sarah no, Cure, one second. Okay. Sarah, I just, you know, I, as I say, I covered Bill Clinton and for 10 years and I held him accountable. And you're still here. And I'm still around. <laughs> and, you know, and I got a lot of criticism for, for holding him accountable. And I would go to everybody saying that he lied to the American people and that it was all about truth telling. Isn't the story now also about truth telling? Isn't that the problem? Not about you, but the president. Isn't, isn't that why people get so angry at him? Because, I mean, even he lies about things that he doesn't need to lie about. I, I think um, they get so angry at him because he proves them wrong time and time again. Um, I think that they have tried to put the president into a box that fits a story that they wanted to write. And every time they put words on the paper, he changes them. And he has uh, controlled the narrative from the beginning that he got into the race when they said he would never run. And he did. They said he would never win. He did. They said there was collusion. There wasn't. They said the economy would collapse. It didn't. It's booming. They Everything they've predicted about this president has been wrong. If any anybody is pushing something that is untrue, I, I think you have to look no further than the Democrats and the media that have given them platform to tell all of the things about the president that have turned out to be wrong. Sometimes I think the president is trying to goad Congress. I, I really do. So they'll overreach. And then sometimes I think the White House is just terrified with this idea of impeachment. Which is it? Look, I don't think we're afraid of that. As the president has said, when you have the success he has and you haven't done anything wrong, there's no need for that. I think that um, even the American people, you look at the polls, they don't want to see impeachment. They want to see progress. They want to see people sit down and solve problems. And we saw a tiny glimpse of that when we had a meeting on infrastructure not too long ago. And um, sadly, you know, the next day, the Democrats move on and start attacking the president again. But look, I think the American people want solutions. They care a whole lot more about what happens to them than this bickering that we see in Washington, D.C. every day. And we'd love to see more of that type of cooperation. And hopefully we will. Who, who does the president want to run against? Who's his favorite candidate of the of the candidates there before? Uh, I think uh, <laughs> there's so many, um, such a large cast of characters that you have, but I think the president would be happy to run against any of them. He feels very comfortable about the message that he has, the story that he has to tell, and the successes of the first two and a half years, that he's got a great platform to campaign on um, and the successes of the country. And I think most of the individuals that are running are going to have to defend the failures of their party. They're going to have to defend this crazy far left agenda that a small percentage of their party is uh, you know, driving. And I think that's going to be really difficult for any of the Democrat candidates. And uh, we feel very comfortable about the president's policies and the success that we've had and very good moving forward. One last question on matters uh, happening up on the Hill. We saw uh, just in the last 24 hours, Secretary uh, Steve Mnuchin has said no 
to the House Ways and Means request for Donald Trump's tax returns. Do you see that battle and all of these battles back and forth between the White House ultimately heading to the courts? Uh, I guess that's certainly possible. Um, I think that's probably a question better left to the Democrats. How far do they want to take uh, these, but, but for the White House, you, know, you have a new White House counsel. Games. You have uh, staffed up that team. You still have an outside legal team working with the president. We've seen a new law firm come on board to work with him for the fi- fight over tax returns. Do you believe right now as the White House, as the Trump team, everyone is gearing up to go to court to deal with Congress? I don't think that should be necessary, but I think that's certainly um, possible. Sarah, we need to ask you about Trump and the new China tariffs. Last week, it looked like you were close to a deal uh, with China. Is that coming apart? We know there are meetings this week. What do you expect? Uh, we've got a couple meetings. I believe they start Wednesday and Thursday and finalize on Friday. Uh, this is just another series of meetings. I believe this is the 11th or 12th time that our delegations have sat down. We continue to make progress, but we'll see what happens. The president's been very clear that there are certain things that he expects that he wants. Um, and if it's not a great deal, he's not going to make it. And um, we'll see what happens. There's a lot, of, a lot of time left on the clock in this process. And um, I think at the end of the day, the president president will get something done that benefits American workers, particularly with an emphasis on helping our farmers, protecting intellectual property, and making sure that enforcements are in place should we move forward on a deal. I just have one final personal question, if you don't mind. Good. And let's end on something more fun <laughs> and exciting than uh, well, this, crazy this, Russia collusion, which I know you guys love. This goes back to, and I know how you feel about being a mom and a wife, and, and it's been tough for you to find this balance. I also know your religious background as well, and you're a very strong Christian women, woman, and you, you know my, my background in, in religious studies. I just am, am curious to know, and I think a lot of people, because it does, it comes up at church, it comes up in personal circles, it comes up at dinner parties. You know, we know Trump cusses, okay? We know he says things that, uh, you know, a good Christian woman doesn't necessarily want to hear. I'm just curious for you, Sarah, personally, how do you handle that? How do you deal with that? Oh, I think it's very simple. The entire essence of faith and Christianity is knowing that none of us are perfect. Not me, not Donald Trump, no one is perfect. And only by the grace of God and the redemption uh, can you become that way. And that's why faith is so important. And that's why it's the only way I think you can get through any uh, day-to-day job, particularly one that can sometimes be stressful like this one. Sometimes be stressful? Sometimes. Sometimes it's easier than others. But that's that's why faith is so important, um, not just in this, but in everything that we do. And I think a recognition of that is what makes us better people. Sarah, thanks so much. You bet. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for this bonus episode of The Investigation. Be sure to hit subscribe, leave us a rating. And thanks to our producers, Trevor Hastings and Shannon Crawford. And for my colleagues, Chris Blasto and John Santucci, we'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Investigation.